there's this opportunity to love someone unconditionally. And as we figure out how to love this child, what usually happens to every client I have is they're actually figuring out how to love themselves. Where was Mary Van Geffen when my kids were little? I needed her wisdom, advice, humor, and compassion. I still do. Hi, brave friends. It's Jessica Pate, your host of Brave Together podcast. And today we have a great expert and parenting coach on the podcast, Mary Van Geffen. She is an international parenting coach and a parent educator for overwhelmed moms of strong-willed and spicy children. She teaches monthly workshops to help moms gain confidence to choose gentle, respectful parenting, especially if they weren't raised that way. Mary has a ministry on Instagram where she posts an inspiring parenting tip every single day. Just reading her social media will help you delight in your child and remember that you are enough. Mary believes, I love this, Mary believes that when a mom realizes how hard she is on herself and cracks the door open for some self-compassion, her entire family is bathed in light. Mary is a certified simplicity parenting counselor and a professional coactive coach. Her greatest achievement, however, is cultivating a calm, kind, and firm relationship with her spirited go-getter daughter, who's 17, her polar opposite introverted son, who's 15, and her unenneagrammable hubby. We had such a great conversation that we broke it up into two parts. The first part was more about having self-compassion for our parenting patterns and our harsh inner critic. That great parenting often involves reparenting our little selves and doing some inner work and reflection. May you be open-hearted as you listen to the effervescent Mary Van Geffen. This is part one. Hi, Mary. Welcome to the show. Hi, it's good to be here. Who knew that a boat ride with mutual friends would lead us to this place today? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. We found each other. We did. I love when things like that work out. And the handsome seems to be seem to be beautiful connectors. So I'm grateful for that. And for those that don't know, that's just this gorgeous couple that are very generous and want to include a lot of people and and they introduced us on a boat. That's right. So Mary, tell me how you became so passionate about teaching and coaching and encouraging parents? Yeah, the I became passionate because this is what I needed. I, I didn't find parenting to be, oh, it's just common sense. Um, a lot of what was sort of my knee-jerk reaction or what was in my heart or definitely what was in my mind was not helping me be the parent I wanted to be. And I was sort of outgunned, outmanned by my daughter, <laughs> who was incredibly spicy and sort of went down this path when she was three or four, I think it was four, of trying to get her diagnosed and thinking, oh, the help out there has got to be some kind of label for her so that we can begin treatment. And that ended up not being the case. And so I kind of want to be there for moms who who are trying to parent in a different way than they were parented, but nobody's telling them how. There's no guidebook. There's no map. 
And so I want to be there for them. But like between you and I, I'm really doing it for the child because I was that child. I was a spicy, Mm. um, problematic kid. And uh, my mom didn't have the resources. And I don't want someone else to be thought of as a problem or a negative being in their family when really there's a, a way to shift that and a different way to show up for them and a different way to think about them. I love that. Where were you when I was raising my <laughs> kids when they were younger? I was battling uh, my own kid. Yeah, I mean, I ended uh, up taking her to a couple different therapists. Mm-hmm. Well, I went to one and they said, well, I explained the whole situation. And they said, have you, tr- have you tried spanking? And I was like, ah. it kind of bummed me uh, out because this woman seemed like she was going to be the one. And it just felt so one-dimensional and not my... Um, not my approach for this kid who was really struggling. And then I ended up saying, well, I need to take her somewhere. I took her to a play therapist. She went once. Mm-hmm. And the second time they came out and said, will you come alone next week? And I thought, oh, yes, I will. And we will, you can give me the bad news of the psychopath you see in front of you. <laughs> and we'll figure out, do we have institutionalized her? Like, what's the next step? And the next step was me going to that therapist that play therapist for the next two years and working on my own generational wounding that needed to be unpacked and cared for. And then just going to a a heck of a lot of parenting classes and reading a lot of books. So when they brought you in, Mary, and said, well, actually, we need to work with you right there is a make or break moment, right? You embraced it, it sounds like. There's a lot of parents who don't who don't want to do their own work or they feel like, well, no, it's the kid and it's their behaviors and I just need to shape their behaviors and attitude or what have you. So tell me about that. Like how to, how to reach that parent? How do you reach that parent? How do you encourage that parent that it's so worth taking a look at themselves? Mm -hmm. And like you said, parenting generational patterns, our own expectations, our own ideas about what parenting is supposed to look like and children behaving or being compliant or agreeable (laughs) to a degree, you know, whatever it is that we sort of bring into that parenting experience, it is important for us to look in. Oh, it's so important. And, And if we don't, we're missing this opportunity for spiritual renewal in that like we have this struggle in front of us do we want to circumvent it and try to get to make it go away or do we want to like stand up and grow through it and sometimes we're exhausted and i get it but there's this opportunity to love someone unconditionally and we don't always know how. And so leaning in to get some support to do that. And as we figure out how to love this child, what usually happens to every client I have is they're actually figuring out how to love themselves. And it feels, Ah. it sounds like, oh, come on, you can't love someone else until you love yourself, but it is actually true. And so the harsher the mom is that I get on the on a Zoom call with, and the more she has this list of issues with her child, the more I know that she actually has this harsh internal critic that is holding her hostage from finding joy in this experience. And so generally, mm-hmm. like you just pour compassion over it. 
and the more compassion and the more you see their perspective, because it probably is really hard. They probably did get a very tough assignment of a child. I'm not going to try to talk anybody out of that, but there is this opportunity to say, so do, how do I want to be with myself during this? Do I want to say not good enough? You can do better. Look at this kid and how they represent you. Or do I want to begin to grow a kind inner voice that says, you're doing the best you can and it is enough. I think a lot of that scene from The Help where the nanny holds both sides of that little girl's face who has a very mean sort of out to lunch mom and she says, you is good, you is kind, and maybe you is beautiful. And knowing that that kid is not going to hear that anywhere else. And I feel like we need to be doing that work internally, like checking in with the way that Like God views us and how we have already arrived. We are good enough um, Mm -hmm. so that we can begin to see our child as good enough. I don't Mm. know if that answered your question. It does. No, I love that. And I love that you you say when a mom realizes how hard she is on herself and cracks the door open for some self-compassion, her entire family is bathed in light. That is not something we hear when we're pregnant with our first <laughs> kid. That's not in the parents. That is what we need to tell. That's what we need to tell young moms. Yes. And, and, and old moms. Sure. <laughs> All Anybody of us. who's somehow gotten through this process without bringing self-tenderness and self-compassion into it. But mm-hmm. it, it, it happens over and over again on calls where someone will say, I just, I, I booked this session because I want you to tell me what I'm doing wrong. And I love going the opposite way of like, actually, can I tell you what you're doing right? And what a beautiful mm. mom you are and that it is enough. And I would say nine times out of 10, they begin crying because they're being their Their boss right now is this awful boss. Who's like, not good enough. Get it right. Why, why is your kid acting this way? And when they tune into that, they actually have like this Holy spirit, kind voice that is, this is wonderful. You're doing great. It's enough. It changes the whole game. I don't even have to give them any parenting tips at that point. Mm -hmm. I mean, we can get to it. There's lots of techniques. Sure. Sure. But it starts with them understanding that maybe they've been listening to a very mean voice. Hmm. Yes. And if you're listening to this right now and you're like, what mean voice? That's the voice, the very voice that's like, what's she talking about? This is stupid. That's the self-protective inner critic that you needed maybe when you were little, but now it is getting in the way of connecting Mm. with your child and with yourself. I love that. We need to hear this again and again. I feel like this is a message that I personally have not, I, well, I certainly didn't hear it early on in my journey. And so I've figured that out along the way and still working on it for sure. Mm. For sure. How do parents, there's a million parenting trends and a million parenting books out there. How do parents discern what's best or what fits them or their family or their child? Mm. That's a great question, especially if a lot of your listeners are embedded in sort of evangelical Christian culture where there's sort of one way. I don't I don't know your It's a total mix. We have a very diverse audience actually. Okay. So yeah. um, then I would say as a blanket statement, know your values. Like what is most important to you? And people will be like, Oh, I just want my kid to be happy. Actually, you probably want something much more profound 
and deeper than that. So going to that next level, like, what does that mean to me? What kind of person do I hope they'll be? And getting to like, what matters most to you? We can have two wonderful moms sitting here. And one is like independent self-reliance. I want my child to be able to be out there in the world and not need me. We can have someone else who says, oh, community and a reliance on um, quality time and showing up for the people you love. They're both gorgeous values. Neither is wrong or right. But when the mom knows or father knows what matters most to them, it makes some of the weird, wonky, um, cloudy decisions in parenting easier. So that would be Mm -hmm. one is to figure out what your values are. And you can figure that out by thinking about like the last time you felt really joyful and respected and like it was a Facebook moment. You wish somebody would have captured you and your family. What was inherent in there? Was it about authenticity or was it about being active in nature? Like figuring out what makes you um, expand and feel good about yourself. And then think about a time when you felt incredibly disrespected in your life, maybe before kids. What was missing? What value of yours was being trampled on? So that would be one thing to figure out how you want to parent. Another would be checking in with what you wanted as a child. A lot of times we're like, oh, you know, this has got to stop. I need to control this or do whatever. And if you just pause and think, when this was me, when I was little, what did I crave or long for or need? And checking in with that part of you can be a real source of wisdom. What would you add to that? Because I'm just, I'm kind of on the fly thinking of how you help somebody kind of new Mm-hmm. to parenting mm-hmm. figure it out. And I'll, while you're thinking, I'll give a third one, which is, I don't think you can go wrong if you aim to be calm, kind, and firm. Those mm-hmm. are beautiful. Like almost imagine them in a triangle mm-hmm. that as you move towards one, you might move away from another and that's okay. You're constantly rebalancing. But if you're calm, your message can be received by your child. You are a safe person to actually educate them and discipline them. If you're firm, then you're consistent and you give them something to push up against. And if you're kind, they can handle whatever you're being firm about. Like you're staying connected and in relationship with them. So calm, Mm -hmm. kind, and firm is a great place to start if you're not sure kind of what your parenting philosophy is. I love that. I think all of that, that's fantastic. I agree a thousand percent. I was having a conversation with one of my nieces recently, and we we talked after she had her first, and she's just had her second. And so you're kind of a grandmother in your own way. Well, my niece, okay. my niece's niece, my niece, my second niece. I don't know. How do you do that? <laughs> I have no idea. I just know you're very young, and so it's funny to say that you're a grandmother. Well, I'm not a grandmother, but it is. It's I'm an aunt. I'm an, an aunt. aunt. Yes, auntie. Um, what I shared with her because I look back on myself as a very anxious mom who was trying so hard to do everything right. And when my oldest, Luke, was born, Baby Wise was the big book that everyone was following Mm -hmm. about scheduling and getting your kid to sleep through the night and sleep training was a big thing and, you know, don't feed on demand and whatever, you know. And, And I, being someone who likes to plan, schedule, and have control, false control, but whatever. That's a whole nother episode. Um, I was just trying so hard to do everything right. And Luke wasn't fitting into that. He was colicky. Nobody told me he was colicky. He didn't nap very easily, didn't sleep through the night forever, you know, wanted to eat all the time. He nursed great and quick, but he wanted to eat often, more often than, than I liked. And I wished 
I would have just thrown out the books, thrown out what was going on with my friends and their kids and just held him and said, what do you need? And just listen for the internal wisdom that's there. And I told her, my niece, I said, you have all the mother's intuition that you need. I believe that God's given us that, you know, or the universe or whatever. I, you know, it's within you. So if you can just stop and get quiet, it's there for you. And you can really, I know it sounds woo-woo, you know, as I said to her, but I really think it's there. And I wish I could have relaxed and leaned into that rather than trying to follow this or follow that or be the perfect whatever mom. I'm over here self-managing because I, I incredibly believe and I incredibly do not believe in that. And so here's what I would say is that our inner intuition and the voice of God, that still small voice, it is there. And some of us, it's like a fine piece of art that's been covered with mud. And there is some work to remove some of the things that we believe from growing up or Mm -hmm. some of the, um, some of the wounding, some of the, the trauma, the dysfunction that we've gone through, make it hard to access it. And I'll, I'll give you an example. With my daughter, I was so focused on, oh, she's too much. She's so um, bossy and so emotional and she is selfish. And I had this whole, I was saying this in my brain about a three-year-old. Guess what? They're all that way. So um, <laughs> just so you know, if you're wondering. Um, <laughs> But what I was really doing was replaying an old tape that my mother had about me. And that tape was pretty loud. So even though I I wish I could have said, hold on, you know, how do I really feel about this baby? And what's really the truth? But I'm not sure I could have heard it over the loud roar of this is not okay. You know, knock Mm -hmm. her down a few pegs. So does Mm -hmm. that, it's like, it's there, but sometimes we can't access it. Yeah, that's an excellent point. So how would you, well, I mean, I think we've, we've probably talked about it at this, at the, at the start of this, how we access that. Mm. So there's many ways, thankfully. One is by being <laughs> friends with somebody else who, who is gentle and respectful to their kids in a way that feels a little foreign and delicious and atrocious to you. Just keep hanging out with them. Like I had a friend <laughs> who would, who would get really low and say, um, Lucas. And I'd be like, no, you know, overpower him. Tell him, no, this was happening in my brain. Thankfully, I wasn't the kind of friend that would say it, but I found it so enticing, but also I judged it. And if you have a friend Mm -hmm. like that, who brings this calm, kind and firm energy that maybe you don't possess yet, hang out with her. Let there's nothing like seeing the modeling of it. If we didn't grow up with it. So that's huge. Also telling your story about what it was like for you to be little when we can't articulate what it was like for us to be small. And that sounds like, oh, they did the best they could, or I was a real terror. I deserved whatever I got. If someone's saying those things, you actually haven't done the work to unpack and connect with what it was like for you. And when we can't articulate it, we just recreate that same dysfunction. So Mm. it's not so much how awful your childhood was, if it was bad, it's whether or not you can articulate it that distinguishes whether or not you will replicate it. So that's another thing, telling your story, being honest. Maybe that's with a therapist. Maybe that's with um, a friend and you set the timer and say, can I just talk for 10 minutes? You don't have to give me advice. And then you can do the same for me. Um, I also, Mm. I'm obviously a big proponent of therapy and of coaching. I, I, 
I, you can sit on the call with somebody who's there to sort of help shine a light towards where you want to go and give you some ideas, but also really listen for that still small voice of your own. Somebody who doesn't have a big agenda, but Mm -hmm. then there's also the idea of taking a bunch of courses, um, I sound like an um, infomercial, but I have an intro. <laughs> I, it's called Gentle Parenting 101. And it's for someone who's like, I guess I like the idea of that. What the heck does it mean? It's an hour workshop just to sit. And, and I don't, it doesn't have to be me. There's so many people. If you, if you look up gentle parenting or respectful parenting or positive parenting who can just give you a sense of, oh, that's what they mean. That's what that looks like. How, what other ideas do you have for how someone could start on this journey? Well, I definitely think a therapist or a coach for for sure, because, you know, I consider myself a pretty self-aware person. I love reading, listening to every podcast, reading self-help, but I need somebody else who can point things out that I can't see. I need somebody to keep me accountable to the work. So I, I, I'm all for therapy and coaching Mm -hmm. for sure. I need somebody else. Me too. too. And that could be that we're extroverts, but I think it's also, we just get stuck in a pattern, like a, Mm -hmm. almost like a a ridge in a record player that that's what our brain does. And for someone to help point that out and give us some new tools is incredible. Yes. So I think just an openness and a willingness to learn and a humility to recognize where we're not doing our, our best parenting, our calm kind and firm parenting, like you said, and having compassion on that, not judging it, but having compassion on the patterns we want to break and just being open and willing. Yeah. And having a safe place to share the gunk. I mean, I've, I've had moms lean in and say, I don't like this kid right now. I've said to a girlfriend, I hate this kid. And, and that was kind of pre me doing my work, but it felt so unburdening. A lot of the shame is gone when we're not struggling with this issue in private. We've dumped it out on the table and someone hasn't walked away. They're helping us like go through it and put back in our purse, our mental purse, what we want to hold on to. And so just not doing this alone is, is important. I agree. I agree. We have to have one or two people who we can really be completely honest with and say those things without fear of judgment. And sometimes it's not your, it's not your partner. Sometimes it's not your partner <laughs> because they are on their own journey and they are triggered. They need you to be the safe, calm one. And when you're saying I have negative feelings about this kid, or I don't know what to do, it ramps up their anxiety. So can we just normalize that sometimes mm-hmm. your partner is not that safe space when it comes to parenting? Ah, excellent point. Excellent point. Is there anything that you haven't said that you want to make sure that you share with our audience. Yeah, I want a part two because we haven't even talked about what a spicy kid is. And I know. Okay. All right. So we will we will do that. Did you know that Brave Together Podcast is an extension of a nonprofit organization called We Are Brave Together? We Are Brave Together is here to combat isolation and compassion fatigue and burnout that moms face 
by offering support groups, resource groups, retreats, and retreat scholarships. If you have never heard of We Are Brave Together, please go to our website today, wearebravetogether.org. And if you're a mom who is seeking support and sisterhood, please fill out the little pop-up form so that you can be a part of this community. Please check out everything that we are offering on our website today.